before we learn how to build the latest and extreme graphic chipset processors, let's recite the code of the elves, shall we? My name is Matthew Kroll. And you sit on a throne of lies. My name is Shahir Dowd. He must be a South Pole elf. I'm Jessica Tucker. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the holiday magic-filled wonderment time elf. <laughs> this is Woo! the holiday wonder-filled magic-filled elf reindeer, snow, Santa Claus, all that good stuff. I don't know what Christmas is. I haven't got the Christmas spirit. I'm closer to a Scrooge than an elf. Wow. Um, this last... came out of the gate hot. But last year, <laughs> when we did our Christmas episode, we you brought a bunch of people on the show and asked them what their favorite Christmas movie was. And this was consistently the movie. And my secret shame is, which is why we've got Jessica Tucker here, I have never seen Elf. Until, yes. until now. Until you now, have now. No, uh, no, I, I haven't seen it. I'm just coming in. We're going to have a conversation. I'm just <laughs> no. going to stand by and just make up shit. Oh, good. Jess, how are you? It's so nice to have you back. I'm good. I'm still in my closet, you know, as yep. we all are. Um, yeah, still in L.A. We're, like, back on, like, full lockdown. And so, That's you fun. know, <laughs> just, like, super alone. The last time, <laughs> last time we spoke oh. to you, there was also an inferno raging so, oh my gosh, that's, been that's taken right. Care of at least, right? Yeah, it, we're so LA is not on fire anymore, so okay. that's a relief. But um, you have yay. a pandemic, like the rest of us. Yeah, but like the rest, yes, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm also, okay. <laughs> that's good. Also, I mean, I don't. I, I know that you are a um, uh, 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 person who engages in the martial arts right now because you said it was super warm where you are. You're looking particularly jacked. Like your oh, shoulders you. are looking like 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 I'm. It's it's like it's it's legit. Yeah, I love a radio compliment because like I'm flexing right now, but I know no one can see, <laughs> and so you can just like you can keep pumping me up, and we can tell people that I'm like more fit than I am. Jess, you look like the way I think I look after I do ten push-ups, but yeah. would never actually look like. Yeah, you know what's so funny is like I was doing like hardcore like Muay Thai like five days a week before yeah. pandemic. And which Muay Thai, if people don't know, is like it's Thai kickboxing. So it's kickboxing with your elbows and knees. It's like brutal. It's yeah. like it's the stand up fighting that they do in MMA. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I like went from that to like floor mat Pilates in my apartment every day. And I kid you not, like I am in better shape doing <laughs> like low impact Pilates than I was like fighting for my life. <laughs> you it's so interesting I, I've just started uh, with uh, a trainer again and I and the thing that's happened to me now is that when I was training with uh, when I was 20 years old my personal trainer would be like really actively trying to get me to get form right and really like it was hard you know they were just like brutalizing me yeah. now my trainer's like dude, you're 40. Like, nobody cares. You're going to die soon. Just do some sit-ups, do some push-ups, and we'll get through this, okay? You know, you'll enjoy it more. I'll enjoy it more. Nobody gives a shit. This uh, sounds like just, money well spent. Yeah. Sign just me like, up. Right? Like, the nicest trainer ever. It's just like, take a stroll. Oh, I think it, it's the trainers are the same. It's me who's changed, and they've just realized there's no point in putting an effort They're not here. pushing you. I <laughs> well, see. I feel That's like funny. I'm somewhere... I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. My workout routine is I do a video game stream called Dark Souls, where I play Dark Souls 3 and do push-ups, sit-ups, squats, etc. every time 
I die. Um, <laughs> and it actually does start to show some results because like, apparently I'm very bad at the game. Uh, and so we all have our own things that we're doing. I would say if you put Shahir and eyes together, we're probably at like an eighth of what Jess does, but yeah. that's okay. It, because either way, Jess is getting we're not the results. Here we're just looking right. Well, like we but you know what? You know what results that that I really am looking forward to Jess bringing to this conversation is is the the Christmas cheer. I I would say I would say um uh, cred like the Christmas street cred Christmas because street cred. Jess I I hope this is also not uh, um uh, blowing too much smoke. But you are one of the happiest people that I know, and Aww. I. I mean that in in the nicest way possible. He's and, saying and that this when movie, I'm while I'm in the room, by the way. Just, just well, so you know. a, you're not in the room. You're across the street. He's saying it B, in my face. He's letting me. He's letting you know. Shahir, you are a lot of wonderful things. The nicest person is not one of them. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Feels like a direct attack. So so it's funny because we were planning on doing this thing and and and. Uh, and Shahir was like, oh, what about Jess? And I was like, that is the best possible idea. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming and lending your kindness to us for an hour. Oh, my gosh. You're, I feel like it's so funny. Like, thank you for saying that. I feel like I haven't been very, like, North Pole Elf-like lately. <laughs> well, it's hard. It's hard right now. I mean, it is. 100%. It's, I, like, honked my car horn at someone the other day and was, like, shook like at my own action. I was like, who are you? <laughs> I, okay. So I changed, you've changed since you moved to LA, man. I, <laughs> I have. So I got to be honest with you guys. When the decision to do elf came up, I was a little bit disappointed. <laughs> not because <laughs> not least of which, because what? I hadn't seen the movie at the time, wow. but because I wasn't excited to see this movie. Mm. And I, but 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 then as I thought about it and as I thought about I think one of the things that I'm most interested about with this film has the least to do with the film and more to do with the person who made the film. Mm. I am curious though, Elf has become the staple of the Christmas viewing habits of people around the planet. Uh, alongside uh, A Christmas Story, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, what are some of the other Christmas movies? Die Hard, whatever, you, whatever tickles your fancy. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Elf is certainly up there. I'm curious for both of you who have seen this movie before. Uh, maybe, Jason, you could start us off. When was the first time you saw Elf? And do you watch it often around Christmas time? So, interesting enough, I... I think Matt, I first saw Matt, I was like, oh, I haven't seen Elf in a long time. And then after I watched it, I realized I had never seen it in its entirety before. <gasps> and I also did not realize that it was as old as it was because mm -hmm. I have, because um, I have an older brother and then I have much younger siblings. And my sister, who's 24, like always was watching this. It's like one of her favorite movies. And so I think in my head, I just assumed that it came out that it was like a newer movie than it is. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like a huge fan of Anchorman and this came out like right around the same time. And so I can't believe that I like wasn't completely on board, but I, it's like always kind of like been in my world, I think because it's like, it's, it's always on. Right. Yeah. But I've never sat and watched it top to bottom. Like I did last night. In, huh. in the context of it always being on, is it always on on Christmas or is it just kind of like on around? Just or during any... Christmas. Okay. Yeah. It's just always um, on TV. I fell into that camp too, Jess. I thought this movie, and maybe this is a sign uh, that we're getting older. Um, I I 
thought it was much closer to now. Like if you had asked me when Elf came out, I'd be yeah. like, oh, like like 2010, maybe. Yeah, like you that's know, like what I thought it's it's 2003, baby. In the name of yeah. in the in the words of Fred Durst. So so I I watched it now. I I here's a straight truth. I had seen it once before. And it is a lot of my friends' favorite Christmas movies. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it holds a candle to Jingle All the Way, but that's just me. <laughs> um, the and and I remember watching it uh, the first time and liking it. I think I saw it, um, you know, at, the, at at peak Ferrell, right? Like when when Will Ferrell was now, especially this, like this, this was fi- this was the beginning point of peak Ferrell. Well, no, I would honestly say, well, it was filmed first, yeah. but old school was what catapulted Will Ferrell and got oh. the hype going for this. And there's some interesting stories about what the studio that's did right. around that, which we'll get we'll get to. Right. Um. But the the so like. Because because old school dropped while this movie was in the edit chamber. Right. So so we got pumped for Will Ferrell, and that's what kind of cat. And then this was Will Ferrell's first released leading role. Right. Yeah. Old school was a three peat uh, yep. with uh, uh, was it uh, Luke Wilson and Vince Vaughn. Yep. Uh, and it was a Todd Phillips joint. Go, guy would go on to make the Joker. Hmm. Uh, great. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so so to be honest, I have not been a huge Elf fan. I've always liked things it did, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I I've never it's never been a comfort film for me. I do go to Jingle All the Way. I go to Die Hard. I go to Gremlins. Like uh, all all movies that we've done reviews on, and you can listen to. Um, but uh, Elf was never one that that like grabbed me enough to make it like in my holiday film rotation. Yeah. Yet in our discussion of holiday films last year, this was the film, right? This is the film that the majority of the people at our end of the year, uh, uh, you know, recap of what people like in cinema, etc., looking for favorite movies, yada yada yada. Elf came up three or four times when other things only came up maybe once or twice. So like, we are the wrong people to be doing this movie. If all of us are saying this is kind of like the first time we've really put our heads together and watch this movie, we are really the wrong audience. Given that, given that at that party, people, you know, like more people were willing to quote Elf, to talk about Elf as the ultimate Christmas movie. We may be the wrong people to do this movie, but I think that's going to be interesting. Sure. I, I, I don't think it's not a, 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 a ultimate Christmas movie. I just, and I'll, I guess I'll sort of just say this off the bat. Uh, I found that I had a really hard time connecting with it on not not like an emotional level a little bit. I I, I connected with it because it is a sweet, sappy Christmas movie and I can get on board with those. Those are great. Um, I found that the the humor, at least for me, did not age as well as I expected it to. Mm-hmm. Like I had that kind of alternate thing where I'm like, oh, this movie came out around 2010. Like it can't be that off. And then I'm like, wait, 2003. Oh, OK. Right. Cool. Um, I don't know. What did you all think? Uh, well, either revisiting it or Shahir for the first time. What What was it like? What was it like for the first time? Yeah. Well, uh, I will say this. This has been a sort of banner week for me, uh, which is that I got to watch a few movies, uh, which has been surprising. I've just had a bit of time in the evenings where I've been like, I'm shutting the 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 work mode off, and I'm going to watch things. To, uh, wow. Uh, and so I actually watched, how nice, huh, Jess? Uh, it's great. <laughs> Got to admit, after after 2020, having a week like that has been a real That's bonus. That's a me. treat. Yeah. Um. So I watched four movies this week. Uh. Three of them were kind of life-changing movies, and 
The other was Alf. Um, so uh, to put it in, in, in kind of the context of the week I've been having in terms of watching things, I, I will freely admit, um, I, I the, my main interest in watching this movie is completing the course of understanding John Favreau. That that mm. has really been the thing that I'm most interested in. John uh, Favreau is a, a a a writer, actor, and filmmaker that I've just been following and thinking about uh, a lot. Most notably because um, I knew him as an actor from the movie Rudy, which I thought he was kind of great in. But you know, it was a movie that didn't necessarily do well, but found a cult following a little bit later in life on video. You know, everyone knows Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Um, but <laughs> later on. Uh, you know, his writing of Swingers and sort of the unusual leading man that he became um, because of Swingers uh, and then somehow transitioning into becoming a director. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I think one thing, the reason why I think this is important is that John Favreau is really kind of the architect for movies of the 21st century, particularly the Marvel formula. He yep. is the guy who essentially wrote the book uh, on what Marvel movies should be, can be, and set the tone for what would be uh, the the cinematic landscape from 2008, you know, the, the next 12 years of cinema. Um, so what I think has been interesting is is thinking about Elf in the context of Jean Favreau. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think what I like about Jean Favreau, the director, is that every movie of his tells a story about the way he's thinking about movies. And I and I think that has been a really fascinating look. So if you look at uh, his first movie, Made, which came off the heels of Swingers, mm-hmm. uh, you know his first directorial movie. It's kind of a follow up to Swingers, same cast. You know Vince Vaughn and him, similar sort of landscape. Two goofy guys kind of getting involved in something bigger than them that they don't really understand. But 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 uh, you know unlike Doug Liman who directed the first one, um, John Favreau takes the helm at this, in this particular case. And he does something interesting, which is that he hires Christopher Doyle as the cinematographer. Christopher Doyle is Wong Kar Wai's cinematographer, uh, you know, kind of the guy well known in art house circles as you know an amazing film, you know, like an incredible visual cinematographer. So for a guy who's making his first movie, who's ostensibly an actor, you know, uh, actor first, writer second, hiring someone that's so visually unique to make their first movie suggests that there's a little bit more going on in terms of who, what this person's ambitions. He speaks a lot about like making the choice to hire Christopher Doyle. And that movie does look very unusual for the kind of movie it really is supposed to be. It's, you know, like this sort of like goofy comedy, but it looks pretty strange in terms of that. And again, I, I think that comes down to like not just the hiring of Christopher Doyle, but like the fact that he went to the links to hire someone like that um, to do that movie. And then I think if you, if you, Again, if we sort of point at Iron Man as being, you know, not only one of the most important movies that John Favreau will make, also one of the most important movies that will come out in, in our lifetimes in terms of setting the scene for every movie that follows. Um, I think if you look at Elf and Zathura, the, the next two movies he makes, mm-hmm. they're really important stepping stones to Iron Man. And then, and, and, you know, like Elf is, is kind of the first movie, you know, the second movie out the gate. And what I think it demonstrates that Iron Man also demonstrates, uh, and Zathura, is an ability to come in on a concept that maybe he's not that invested in, but mm-hmm. figure out how to make it work for an audience. And, and, and I think that's kind of the, the, the real key linchpin to like what makes Jon Favreau a really interesting director is that, is that I think he's, you know, like 
ostensibly he works in the same ballpark as Michael Bay, uh, as as Steven Spielberg, as these really, really big filmmakers. But I, I think he kind of comes in with a little bit more of a workmanlike quality, which is like, okay, how do I make Iron Man work? How mm-hmm. do I make Iron Man make sense for an audience right now? He's a B-list, uh, you know, he's a B-list superhero that nobody really knows about. I'm casting Robert Downey Jr., who's a guy who's fallen out of favor, isn't really, you know, like known to be a leading man. I'm casting him as a superhero in this movie. How do I make this work? And he makes it work by like kind of bringing the savvy that he brings to swingers and and made and 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 putting that together along with the sort of um, the interest that he has in visual effects that comes from Elf and, and Zathora. I'm, there is a point to all of this, which I think is the most important movie that John Favreau ever makes, in my mind, is Schiff. I think that movie is the key to understanding who John Favreau is as a director, as a filmmaker, and the things he wants to say. Because I, I don't know if you guys have been watching the Schiff show on uh, on Netflix, his show. No. Have you? Have you? So basically, John Favreau basically had a midlife crisis after Iron Man two. Um, and he make oh after Cowboys and Aliens I should say but basically two movies that's a good that, movie to have a midlife crisis after two movies back to back that like really solidified the idea that he can make big things on a big palette but they're not being really that well received and he's sort yeah. of having this midlife crisis about uh, what kind of filmmaker am I and he funnels all of that into cooking and I don't if you guys haven't watched Chef it is one of the most delightful show uh, the Chef show. Which uh-huh. is basically him and uh, I forget the other chef's name, but the the chef who was the uh, um, the 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 food uh, the person that helped them design the food for the movie chef. They basically now create a cooking show, and it is amazing. Uh, it is one of the most delightful <laughs> things to watch, and it's because John Favreau is on it, channeling. He, he's like fully invested in the idea of of learning the passion about cooking and he's not a person who's cooked his whole life or anything like that yeah and and that i think is the key to understanding how elf works which is i think it's a movie that be honest with you doesn't really work for me but i can see how it works for an audience and this movie is a big money maker and it's a big key uh it's a key factor in will ferrell's life it's a key factor in john favreau's life uh it's it's just this thing where he kind of understands exactly what the what are the little steps that'll make this work for an audience i think the movie doesn't like you know as maybe we're all kind of identifying it doesn't really connect it doesn't really land it's 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 oddly just a series feels like a series of almost disconnected set pieces <laughs> that like is hung together only on the charm of Will Ferrell's like wild-eyed innocence but it's like it's this like my interest in this is like figuring out where John Favreau's kind of like ideas about filmmaking and the types types of films he wants to make comes into play with a film like Elf Long story. Again, not as interested in the film as much as the person behind the film. Well, I love that you like found something (laughs) like it's like for someone who doesn't like it, like you kind of like made it sound really interesting. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. You favroed it. I favroed it. (laughs) I mean, uh, now, Jess, will you need to favro it or or or, how, how did you feel about Elf now having sat down and watched it in its entirety in one sitting? was a delight I thought it was like I like actually really enjoyed it like I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did but I also think that I just had no expectations like I just didn't really I think when there's something like that where it's got got such a, a history and such people have such an affection for it and because it is it has been so prominent in pop culture but somehow I've like not 
Like I didn't know any of the quotes or, you know, like mm-hmm. sometimes you cannot see a movie, but like you still have, you still feel like you've seen it because yeah. like yeah. people have quoted it and that kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, I kind of went into it clean and I liked it. I mean, I like, it would be like a fine thing to like have on like while I'm like making dinner, you know, <laughs> Or, like or learning watch, how to cook like John Favreau is uh, watching watch. the shift show. You could watch the shift show <laughs> on circle. one side <laughs> and Elf right. on the other side. I, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell you this. I when I was watching it, I tried to get full on Christmas spirit, and I yeah. tried and I started. Uh, I drank some mint tea, oh. and I wrapped presents while <laughs> while watching Elf. Right. I think that that's like a whole other side of this. Is like you're also talking to a girl that has two Christmas trees, right? You so have your Christmas so trees? I have not one, but two like fully lit Christmas trees. Like I have a bunch of like little ones like all around, but I think you're onto something and that I was kind of like using it as a catalyst to like really like get my spirits up. Yeah. And actually I was going to give you shit for having two Christmas trees until I realized in the other room, I technically have two Christmas trees. I what is this t- double Christmas tree tradition? Double, I, double I Christmas tree was unaware. Well, no, I have one small tree, and then I have one that my grandmother gave me, which is like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree with like the three branches and like a little like yeah. one one little thing. So technically, I'm in the club. Um, I, yeah, I found I I so so if there's ever a a genre of film to grade on a curve, <laughs> it is the holiday film genre. Yeah. Um. You know, th- this movie is such a staple for many people. This is not a movie. This will not be uh, my Jess. This will not be your comeuppance for Scott Pilgrim um, th- because I don't want to. This is a thing that I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. Like it does not connect with me. I found the I found the jokes like I, I think I'm kind of I don't know if it's I'm getting older. It's the times we're living in or like or something. I found the childlike innocence of Will Ferrell no longer funny. Yeah. And I found it a little bit off put more off putting than I should. Like it's a Christmas movie about an elf. Like it, it all makes narrative sense, but I couldn't, I couldn't get myself into it enough to sort of be holiday ish. Like my favorite parts were when he was in the North pole. Right. Uh, the the stuff not only from a technical angle like the the, the force perspective stuff work they do there is absolutely genius but um, the stop motion and the way it all sort of felt like the you know the old Rudolph uh, you know holiday classic things and and all that jazz like is so lovely and like I think I, I think when we start seeing a contrast like when we start seeing Will Ferrell's buddy the elf interact with human beings. And the way that they interact with them, be it be it uh, the father getting hyper angry at him or Zoe Deschanel like falling in love with him, because uh, reasons. Uh, sure, uh, <laughs> that's when it sort of stopped working for. Or like when the family, like the his father's wife and the the son, sort of like turned a new leaf and like are like all for it, but yet he's still destroyed like all their furniture and like made their lives a living hell. But like it's Christmas. Um, it just, for whatever reason, it didn't connect with me. And this is someone, again, this is why my opinion doesn't really matter on this movie, because I love Jingle all the way. <laughs> I would, I would, I would, I would totally go to bat for Jingle all the way. So if I can do that, 
because that movie speaks to me personally, I can see how this movie would speak to someone personally. Right. And I think that does Shahir go back to the John Favreau connection. I think Will Ferrell and John Favreau. Uh, this was sort of a right, like a perfect place, perfect time sort of situation uh, to get these two titans, these two eventual titans, hmm. to to make a project together. And it's funny, I brought up this before. Couple couple of weird facts I found out about this movie. Because uh, I too was trying to top load information, uh, they uh, the studio they they signed it to the MPCA first for a year. They like optioned it for a year the script, and but they wanted Chris Farley, not there was a moment where they wanted Jim Carrey for this. Yeah, there's, they, yeah, there's a couple different things. But then the the writer didn't want Chris Farley, so they literally waited a year to have the option run out. <laughs> Which I don't think it would have been a bad movie. I think it would have been a different movie. Yeah, I, I think yeah. about Black Sheep. Uh, for Black example. Sheep. Yeah. I think even I think Chris Farley could have done this. Chris Farley is great. I mean, I actually, other than a couple uh, things that do not age well, Beverly Hills Ninja is also very like funny and heartfelt in yeah. a weird way. Um, the uh, another thing I found out was that like all of the thir- the New York City scenes were shot in roughly thirteen days, mm-hmm. and they were oftentimes shot hidden camera style. Yeah. Will Ferrell would go out to the streets of New York and mess with people, and then they'd rush up and give them a waiver. Yes! Like, oh my gosh, my boss is in this movie. Like my one of my bosses from MTV like was in Central Park, and I forget she's like in this movie. Oh, like, nice. in one of the crowd scenes. Yeah. Wait, wait, who at MTV? Jenny Slater. Oh, really? Jenny yeah. was in this. Yeah. <laughs> shit yeah that's amazing back. uh and, and and then okay and then the last thing i i found out that actually fascinated me a lot so like i said before they were making this movie it went to edit then old school hit and will ferrell uh aka frank the tank was was yeah. comedy gold at this point yeah. he was and, such a darling yeah um, yeah so the studio new new line cinemas i think is what yeah, eventually cinemas. made this yeah they wanted this movie to be more like old school mm-hmm. and john favreau is like no that's not what that's not what we did yeah so they literally like they they made favreau finish up his contract he turned in a cut and then they cut him out of the movie like they basically got him out of there so they could then try to take this film and turn it into more of an old school vibe to match will ferrell's newfound like personality or whatever but and again, this goes back to the directorial stylings of Mr. Favreau. He found they found that it was shot so tightly and it mm. was crafted with such a specific pinpointed vision that it was nearly impossible to do. So instead, they tried to show a screening of the film without the actual ending. Like it was like Santa's sleigh takes off and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like no Christmas cheer fuel, no nothing. And people are like, what the fuck was this? <laughs> and then they went back and screened John Favreau's ending with like the sappy thing and the singing and cutting to everyone that he's run into and like, you know, doing a Christmas movie. Yeah. And everyone lost their shit and loved it. Like, cause he, I, I think that's the thing is that Favreau goes out to make a straight up Christmas movie yep. in this, in this movie. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, it's like Mariah Carey going to like, uh, do record all I want is for Christmas is you for the first time. She's like, I know what this is supposed to be. Yeah. I know who's going to listen to it. I know it's going to play every year at Christmas time. And I'm going to just collect my royalty checks on this it's thing. The, it's the best move. <laughs> it's, it's just the smart. Well, it's also, you know, like he's influenced by the Rankin and Bass Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, you know, like, which is why we see the stop motion puppet in here which they kind of got a little sued for but then they i think the way they they got away with it was the actual copyright for those is actually done incorrectly like 
they are in the wrong. They're so like, old. Yeah. They would have been. They would have been told they would have owed money to continue the the aesthetic and do all the things, but their copyright was wrong. <laughs> wow. So like they got away with it. I don't. And they might have made like a side deal to like not further litigation. I'm not quite sure. But and, like again, the in, Snowman uh, was a different name or something. Like it wasn't like the exact same character. Right? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not character specific, but like the, the sort of I mean, you, yeah, the North Pole sort of. His vision. costume is literally the, the elves' costumes in that thing. Like it's yeah. it's it's stolen. It's fine. <laughs> it's just stolen. But I, but I look. I have to admit, I I don't find the film particularly engaging. I find most of it sort of confusing in terms of like why people are doing things. Um, I think James Khan <laughs> is sort of. It's like it's an interesting idea to cast James Khan as basically Will Ferrell's foil, but I feel like J- they're just in two different movies and James Khan is just like, you know, he's, I don't know exactly what he, you know, like he's kind of doing a version of who he was in misery, which is this sort of like, he's got to play the straight man to somebody's crazy town. Um, but he's sort of like, he's just not quite the person who's perturbed enough by this, you know, and the story doesn't like give him the opportunity to be perturbed enough by it, except in one scene. And then, you know, things like Mary Steenberg, his character, his wife, who's just like, Oh, you had a wife, you had a kid with another, with another woman. That's great. Bring him in. She literally says, that's great. She just literally walks in the door and goes, that's great. Bring him in. Oh, he's an elf. That's great. Bring him in. Oh, he's 30 years old. That's great. She's oh. like, he's not an elf. No, he's not. <laughs> he eats spaghetti with tons of candy and syrup and puts syrup on everything and gives me back. Oh, great. That's great. Cool. Gives me a bag of spaghetti to take to work. How lovely. And then, you know, like Zoe Deschanel's character and somehow her connection to understanding what the spirit of Christmas is and how it connects to, like, uh. if, if I'm mistaken, she doesn't know that Will Ferrell is actually... A North no, Pole. that she never right? happens. She, Until she never the Santa that. sleigh thing, maybe. But, but she she kind of, like, we see that Bigfoot-style footage of him wandering through Central Park that she's watching at home <laughs> while she's eating ramen. By the way, I was very impressed that she was eating ramens with chopsticks and, like, her bowl seemed to, she seemed to be, like, legit into ramen. I was very yeah. impressed yeah. by great. that. Yeah. Again, I might be going through the same John Favreau food thing uh, in my life right now, so, so I'm just obsessed with ramen. But, um... I found the Zoe Deschanel whole arc the hardest to try to latch on to. Well, just to understand, like, what, like, okay, we get that this is a movie. We get that these are the two leads. We get that they're probably going to have a romance at some point. But somehow she, like, it's it's a very prototypical thing in American comedy, which is the man-child. And, and the beautiful woman that loves the man-child because they are the man-child. And, and in this one, like... We sort of get that that is supposed to happen, but we're not. I'm not. I'm never uh, sure why it's happening. Her whole bit is that she's confused. Yeah, right. She's confused, but 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 she's seemingly also confused by him. Like yeah. like she's like, who is this guy? And it's like, in what scenario does that d- does the leap to sort of going, okay, he actually is an elf. I need to get on board with the spirit of Christmas. And the way I need to do that is the thing that he told me at the very beginning of the movie, which I've only mentioned once at this point, which is I should sing out loud. Because, <laughs> and again, it, it, the, the connection between her and Buddy, uh, Jovi is her name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I thought was interesting. But the the when when she's singing Baby It's Cold Outside, which again, 2020, interesting choice. Um, and he's in the bathroom and they have like a duet and they have like the, ah, like the classic two thousands, like, yeah, yeah, see the girl in the shower. Whoa. And then the thing that gets her over it is him childishly, childishly saying, 
I think you have the most beautiful singing voice in the whole wide world. And then that gets her romantically interested in him. Like, that's the turning. I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? To me, I can sort of like, it's not that I like that. I think it's badly done, but I sort of like go. Okay, movie. That's a movie. That's that's again, the, that's the movie. Christmas movie on a curve. Yeah. Christmas movie on a curve. Yeah, Christmas on a curve. But but the the thing that I couldn't sort of get is like how she becomes a linchpin to the the Santa Claus Christmas flying conundrum towards the end of the movie. And somehow Mary Steenberg Steenberg's character is also in on it. Like she she sees Zoe Deschanel, a character she's never seen before in this entire movie, singing like suddenly out loud, like in a in a, in a Central Park in the and, street, in the street, and joins in with it. And like everyone starts to join in with it, and it's like they well, that's to, Christmas. That's it's, Christmas, it's baby. Christ- it's Christmas. I I don't. I don't get it. And I know, I know, like, it's funny, we've been talking a little bit about Christopher Nolan. I think there was an interview with Christopher Nolan where he said, you shouldn't try to fight a movie. You should just try to, like, go with it. But there are leaps of logic in this movie that I'm like, uh? And and my point is, I kind of feel like this is a series of very loosely connected set pieces. The interesting thing to me is, again, uh, if we think about a couple of things, New Line Cinema, the movie that's just come out a couple of years before this is Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. One of the things that Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, not not pioneers, but really highlights is forced perspective. John Favreau comes along and gets to do this movie, and one of the things he you know you know um, searches for is not a CGI way to do um, real life Will Ferrell, real life sized Will Ferrell against uh, smaller sized elves. He for, he goes for forced perspective. That's Lord kind of the of, Rings. Did Lord of the Rings come out before or after Elf? Before two thousand and one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Space Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. So and 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 Elf uh, was uh, filmed in two thousand two. Okay. Um, so. You know, very, very close to get. But then the other thing is to me is that the the final act set piece, which again almost has nothing to do with anything that's happening in the film. This is the the chase sequence between the C- Central Park Rangers. Does remind me a lot of the Ring Wraiths in Lord of the Rings. It does look and feel and sound a lot like the Ring Wraiths in Lord of the Rings. And I think, again, just thinking about Jon Favreau in terms of the trajectory of his career and thinking about the kinds of movies, the movie he's made before this is made, again, picking a sort of unusual choice for a cinematographer. The movie he jumps over to right after that is Elf, a movie that should be kind of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but he ends it with a set piece that does feel like it comes from, at least in some part, inspired by Lord of the Rings. The movie he makes after that is Zathura, the the, the sort of sort of poor cousin to Jumanji in some respect, but, you know, a board game space movie made with a lot of practical visual effects. And that projects him onto Iron Man, which, again, he brings in a lot of practical visual effects. I'm just sort of... I, I, I like seeing the trajectory of of how he gets to that point, and I've, I I really do like most of the things he makes. I This is not one of them for me, but I'm sort of interested more in how it fits into, like how this piece of the puzzle eventually becomes a, a sort of key stepping stone in how we end up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it today. Because you could argue the things that Jon Favreau sets up in Iron Man are really the key reason why Spider-Man Homecoming exists. Like the way yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming exists is because of the things that John Favreau mm-hmm. sits up in Iron Man. Um, the way uh, Thor Ragnarok exists is really because of the way John Favreau sits up Iron Man. And the humor, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. all the humor that he's kind yeah. of built up. Which is, I think, 
I was trying to categorize what that humor is, and um, I was sort of trying to th- put it on a spectrum, but it really is, uh, the way I differentiated it is it's, is that what Favreau is sort of doing is is masculinity through insecurity. I think that's an interesting thing that he says. If you compare that to someone like Woody Allen, which does um, sort of deconstructed masculinity, which is all about insecurity, the way Favreau does it is it's 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 insecurity, which leads to to sort of a, an understanding of how masculinity actually works, and that's what mm. Iron Man is, that's what Swingers is, that's what mm. Made is. I think that's really kind of somewhere under the under it's the what, hood of elf what lion king is it's yeah what lion king is what the jungle book is um what cowboys and aliens are what the mandalorian most, most is most importantly again in my mind one of the most important movies that john favreau will make as a filmmaker for him is chef and it's a movie I, again i don't love but i think is really interesting and in just thinking about where it comes from and why that movie lands in the place that it does mm. uh i'm dancing around the fact that i this is not a Christmas movie for me. This is not. A, this is not like a, a repeat viewing Christmas movie for me. I, I do find a lot of the the Will Ferrell humor. Um, you know, I, I my problem is is that when you mentioned that Chris Farley was you know slated to do this movie, I go I could buy that movie because I think there's a there's a madness and absurdist tone to what Chris Farley might bring to this or what what a Chris Farley version of this would be, which is also oddly the stuff I like about Will Ferrell later on. It's the, it's the sort of uh, Ricky Bobby, the, um, the Anchorman, which is just like, okay, the semblance of story is completely unimportant. What's important here is the absurdist tone. And mm. I think this movie is like just a little too far into being a Christmas movie that the absurdist tone stuff, which I think is more fun, doesn't quite land. You know what I mean? Does it, does, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but like, I let go of all my resistance and I just fell in. I I just like, I, I mean, we all have a toxic trait and mine is that I psychoanalyze everything and I'll get to that. But, (laughs) (laughs) but I just like, I, I think it took me back to, cause I loved, I loved the Will Ferrell era of SNL. Right. I loved Anchorman. Like I have such an affection for him. And so I think that it was like, kind of like going back and revisiting this, like, that affection was still there. Like, obviously not as I probably would have loved it much more if I would have seen it at the time that it came out. And I don't know why I didn't, but right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have as many, I mean, everything that you're saying like tracks and it makes sense, but I think I kind of just like went into it as like, it's just silly willy. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's why this movie lands on, you know, because it is like, it's Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. You know, like, it's yeah. like, I'm with it. Yeah. Maybe 10 years from now, when I'm looking for a Christmas movie that I, that's like inoffensive, that I'm like not having to think about, that I'm not I'll buy you jingle about. all the way. It's, it's this. Um, Jess, you brought up, you brought up your tendency to psychoanalyze things too much. What, what in context are, are you referencing here? Oh my gosh. So I like honed in on happiness as like a theory. And it's funny because it's like psychoanalysis is Freud who is like infamously like unhappy. (laughs) So he categorizes categorizes saying a person who writes a title civilization and its discontents (laughs) is like a happy dude. (laughs) Um, he, He basically says that like happiness is a category of fools. And so happiness is because like obviously, so, you know, bringing it back to like elf. He's a happy, like what is hysterical in the beginning is he's a happy guy. He has no idea 
that he is human in in the North Pole until someone says it and then completely spirals. Yeah. And so uh so so basically it's like in psychoanalysis it's like happiness is uh to compromise your desires. And so it's like every every like being that's born that is a being of language, um, there is inherently contradiction. So it's like if there's diction, there's contradiction. So any any of us that speak, which are humans, um, although there could be F- UFOs because that's been a hot topic. With and there was a narwhal lately. voiced by John Favreau in this movie, so that that spoke to. <laughs> Wait, a what? A narwhal. A, a narwhal. The, the 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 horned whale that came up is like oh, bye, oh, buddy. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, so it's like any being where there's diction, there's contradiction. Um, and that's Matt also, and I's mo, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but so he, so so Freud was like, that's it's actually like very healthy. Like that's how we grow and change, and that's how we keep evolving. And so what makes a character? We've talked about this before. I think on like, sorry to bother you. It's like, what makes a character tragic is whenever they don't go through that transformation. It's like, Mm. if he would have started the movie as a happy little elf, like, like a human, like I'm not being mean, but like, you know, a fool as a human Mm -hmm. in elf land, not knowing it. And if he would have gone top to bottom in this movie and not changed, it technically would have been a tragedy and not a comedy. Right. What makes it a comedy is that he goes through this whole like transformation. Um, and what was interesting too, is like, he says that like, uh, addiction is, is addiction. So it means without speech. So it's like an escape from, um, language. And so, um, you know, all of like the usual suspects, but like in this case, like for buddy, it would be like sugar. It's Mm -hmm. like all of the things that you do to like avoid, um, speaking to the conflict of what you are because it's like whenever they do this whole montage of him realizing that he's a person <laughs> yeah. it like it all tracks yeah. like it all like he's like it's like he's seeing it's like all playing back like as this like montage <laughs> and so it's like he knew it the whole time but he wasn't confronting it yeah and so um that was kind of like the lens that i was like looking at it through it's just like what um like, why is he so happy? And it's like, he's, it's because he's ignoring. And then, you know, it's like, obviously it's hard to see him sad whenever like, you know, he's like going through it with his dad, but then ultimately he changes and he grows and we, we all feel uplifted at the end. The casting of uh, Peter Dinklage is interesting because the, the humor that's directed at Peter Dinklage is obviously playing onto the fact that that Peter Dinklage is aware of the way he is perceived and it is uncomfortable to begin with. Like it's, you know, like, yeah, Will Ferrell calling out, oh, he's a, you know, like, oh, it's another elf and call me elf one more time. And, you know, then the comedy of it is that he eventually uh, overpowers Will Ferrell and he's much, you know, you know, none of the, the stereotypes that he's had to live with um, uh, play out in the way that we think they're going to play out. It is still uncomfortable. It is still kind of like, uh, are we, you know, like it's it's not the kind of humor that I think we would do now, um, no. because we would be much more sensitive to it. But I think the interesting thing about what you've kind of said, um, uh, Jess, is that uh, Will Ferrell's character Buddy has kind of lived essentially what um, Peter Dinklage character uh, Peter Dinklage would have lived through in 
the real world being the outsider to the people around him in terms of like his size, for example. And Will Ferrell's living the inverse of that in in the North Pole, where he is much, much bigger and seen as clumsy and oafish mm-hmm. and, and out of place because of that and kind of feeling that out of place. And so it's a, there's there's some sort of interesting dynamics of play. I think though the the thing for me is that one of the models of this film is Penny Marshall's movie Big. Uh, I don't know. You, know, you guys love that movie. Yeah. I, I love that movie. I think that movie is phenomenal. Um, you know, Tom Hanks is a little boy who gets a magic ticket. Uh, you know, yada 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 becomes big, moves to the city, and the same sort of model of like, um, it's even based on New York City, but like coming to New York City and having to negotiate New York City as a man child and not knowing the realities <laughs> of what you will have to confront. Um, yeah, I think the thing is in Elf, it plays that stuff for joke. Um, in big, there's a sort of degree of sophistication about how those uh, interactions actually impact upon Tom Hanks's character in big. And eventually, you know, what happens in big is You're gonna that, give spoilers for big. Yeah, is that Tom Hanks's character eventually like I haven't seen big. You haven't seen big. Okay. Yeah, well, see? Well, like okay. Let, let's say let me put it this way. I think the thing that is obvious to do in Elf that isn't done in Elf and if it was done in a way that was sort of misdirecting, I think it would be interesting, but it's sort of just done because it's not done, yeah. is that there would be a moment where Will Ferrell grows up and kind of starts acting and behaving like his dad in some way, because that would be the loss of, oh, the the gaining of the cynicism that comes with living in the, you know, like comes with right. not living in the North Pole. And you, I, the moment when he sort of turns up wearing the clothes that his father has given him, I was sort of like, oh, okay, I think that's where this is going. But essentially, he's still, you know, like, they send him down to the mailroom. He drinks, you know, like, uh, he, he, he adds some syrup to his coffee or whatever. He ends up dancing. And it's kind of like, no, he hasn't changed at all. All that's changed is the clothes. Whereas in the movie Big, what happens is, is Tom Hanks's character starts dressing like the grown-ups that he's around because he starts mm-hmm. to conform. And the loss of innocence is kind of more profound because it's about this happy character, this kid who ends up having to live in this world and starts looking at the world through their worldview. And that's, that's not what happens in this film. What happens in this film is that everyone starts looking at the world through his world, uh, through through, everyone else changes. He doesn't really change. He doesn't really change. Right. It's interesting. I I was thinking about this in relation to another film that I saw this year, which was uh, Paddington two. Um, I don't, have you guys seen Paddington 2? No, but I've heard it's amazing. Yeah, it's, I've heard wonderful. It's things. phenomenal. It really, truly is one of the most delightful Do films. I need to see the first one? Uh, not really. No, not really. No, <laughs> okay. no. I hear the first one's good, too. The first one is great, yeah. But you don't you don't need to have seen Paddington 1. You just need four I know hours people that, of CG I know people bear. that jumped right in to, to 2 because everyone praised it. So. Yeah, yeah. But I but I think, you know, like what, what Paddington do 2 is doing is is Paddington 2 is two. What did what did Paddington 2 do? Paddington 2 did what Paddington 2 wouldn't do, uh which is to say what well, what Will Ferrell wouldn't do in this film, which is to say that Paddington 2 is about all the characters coming to understand a worldview that Paddington has. Uh he's they they start to see the world from the point of view of the innocence that Paddington has and they start to see the magic in the world that Paddington kind of sees because he is being an outsider to this world. And I think it's it's a really um, but but the thing is, is that we see that change happen by breaking down all of these other characters, cynicisms. And in the case of Elf, we don't really see or understand the sort of breaking of cynicism that that 
that Buddy can offer, you know, people who live in New York City. You know, like like we said, um, Zoe Deschanel's character, Jovi, just kind of like goes, oh, yeah, okay. She didn't really change. James, there was no James payoff. Like, oh, yeah. No. Okay. There's, yeah. There's, there's an interesting thing that happens here that I think happens in Christmas movies, but oftentimes they're more couched in, like, it, the, the the Christmas of it all is a extra layer on the cake. It's some frosting, right? Yeah. So this, the only change that happens is because Christmas. Yeah. That That's the reason. Where, again, if I go back to what I think, uh, what is a more favorite of mine, Jingle All the Way, Christmas doesn't change Howard Langston uh, in, in the thing. He realizes that he's been a shitty father and he should be there for his family and and just shopping for a toy is not the way to do it. He goes through moments of of figuring things out about what he is doing. And again, I'm not saying they're hyper deep. It's no. not. It's no. jingle all the fucking way. But there's there's a there's actual things other than because Christmas yeah. in it. And and this if you're looking for because Christmas this is a thing that I think a hundred percent can deliver it because it is, I think, very sweet, like processed sugar. Yeah. Um, uh, that that will actually do that if you don't look under the hood where it's all spaghetti. It's maple syrup on spaghetti. That's what this movie is. It's like it's like we're just gonna throw some maple syrup there. <laughs> yeah, but like going back to your point about like the mailroom, there was no payoff to that. No, no, there's no payoff to that. Nothing. Like there's it's no just payoff like the- to. To the Zoe Deschanel stuff at all, other than she sings. Yeah, like, why does James Caan suddenly realize he's been a shit? I mean, oh, no, no, okay, sorry. There is the scene where he realizes that he's, you know, he needs to put his son first, and he tells his boss, up yours, I'm going to go. But by the way, I thought James Caan kind of came off as a shitty... Um, uh, as a shitty publisher, like he, he, he was the, bad at his job he was in bad trouble his, for being bad at his job. Yeah, yeah, and like, then the he told his entire team to fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, it's not the case that he's like this heartfelt publisher that really wants to do the right thing, but can never get his shot. He's shitty at his job. He made the choice to, to like not put the last two pages because true. who gives a shit? And then it's like, oh, well, we better do something. Well, let's bring in Will Finch. Uh, you know, like it's, it's, and, and then like suddenly, could you like imagine reconfiguring this movie and watching it from the point of view of his boss, who's I like, know. this guy's a shitty employee and now he's telling me to fuck off? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is going on? Also, there's a crucial thing. There's also uh, not to, I mean, I'm going to do it. There, there's a, there's, there's a crucial thing that kind of breaks even the internal because Christmas moment of yeah. the entire thing. And that is, so they say in this movie, I, and I forget how it comes up. I think maybe the the son, uh, the the half brother of Will Ferrell, the young kid, says like, well, "Why can't you just show everyone you're real? Like you're real, Santa. Like this is the whole thing." And they say like, "Oh no, Christmas runs on the Christmas spirit, and the second people know that I'm real, then then Christmas like, like it won't it won't have the magic that it does." And everyone's like, "Oh okay, okay yeah, makes and sense. that's the fuel of the thing." And da 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 da. But then at the end of the movie. Yeah. Everyone sees Santa Claus and knows Santa Claus is real. And Zoe Deschanel no, has a baby with Buddy. There's no repercussions <laughs> to that. Like, and so it's setting up a rule and breaking it within 15 minutes. And yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. And again, nitpicky. Your people aren't here for that. People are here for because Christmas. Yeah. Well, and well, go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Good. Well, I was just like thinking because I'm like trying to think about this with the lens of a child and I'm trying to like think it back to like Home Alone and 
like I watch Home Alone now and I'm like, this movie is so rude. Oh my gosh. Like his family so disgustingly (laughs) awful to him. And then I'm thinking back to like as a kid, it's like, did I really need to see reversals at the end? Did I really need to see, was it, was it satisfying to me at all as a kid to see people kind of like come around and be like, oh, Kevin, like you're not so bad after all. It's like this, I guess like the real satisfaction is like whenever he like kind of like beats the bad guys. And so like, I'm just like trying to think of like the people, the people that have latched onto this movie and at the age that they did, it's like, did they does it just not matter? I don't I, think it did. I, I think I, you're right. I, I'm really, I, <laughs> that question has actually been bothering me this week because I watched this movie and I, and I just didn't connect to it at all. And I kind of found it like to be a, a little bit of a mess, but, but I sort of wondered then about rewatching things like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is a film that I connected to as sort of an absurdist Christmas movie and, mm-hmm. and sort of a Christmas movie that pokes fun at the idea of what Christmas is supposed to mean, but then seems to have a Christmas message within it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I was like, I should go back and revisit that and see whether I get more out of it than just the yucks. Yeah. Um, well. I'll but, say I did that with Home Alone recently, and yeah. I did get more out of it than just the yucks. Yeah, like I, Home I Alone is a, stuff. I think would work in Home Alone, right? Home Alone is such a delicately crafted, like it's a good. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing how well that film holds up twenty five years, whatever it's been longer. I think later, like it's yeah. nuts. Yeah. It's crazy, and you're watching it, and you're like, this still feels fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Even though like every problem in it could have been solved with a cell phone, like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. 1990, does, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't, I think something like that. So yeah. like, I, I, I find like, I don't think there's okay. Maybe let's back up for a second. Is there something about Will Ferrell and the time that this happened with Will Ferrell that is, you almost like a you had to be there. Yeah, I think one thing maybe to contextualize New York City, two thousand and three, is thinking about like the the sort of post September eleventh kind yeah. of need for optimism yep. and kind of lightheartedness and feel because because it's weird because you know like one of the arguments about uh, Lord of the Rings is that it comes out in that summertime uh, you know like sort of post. Uh, just post 9-11, and it seems to echo the good versus evil conversation that's going on. So the uh, Lord of the Rings is a film that I've revisited now, and and I will say that the, the, the dynamics of the good versus evil in that film are so simplistic yeah. that they're that they're completely uninteresting. Uh, but I but I if you if you sort of frame it in the in the world of you know post 9-11, the understanding of like the need for simplicity and and the framing of simplicity seems to seems to sort of track a little bit more and i wonder again thinking about 2003 you know just you know 911 is just first i i i i don't want to go rudy giuliani about this and just make everything about 911 but again the new york city skyline is sort of such an important feature of this film you know like they yeah. shot it in new york city they're thinking about new york city it's well they a, shot some of it in new york city yeah, the rest of it's but, in but toronto like, you know, they, in like an abandoned mental institution but but they they went into the actual streets of new york city yeah you know and, and i just I, he went through the holland tunnel or yeah. the lincoln tunnel like I, i'm just sort of wondering about like not necessarily like whether the filmmakers are actively thinking about that but whether that is a factor in connecting why this film lands and resonates i i i i the, fair to speculate that that might have something to do with it. Yeah. 
Again, complete speculation. Someone who no, that's a bit of researcher might have done some research, actual <laughs> empirical data on that. Instead, you watched four movies. Instead, I watched, uh, yeah. Instead, I watched the movie and thought about it for a minute. That's a really good point. Because, like, I'm thinking about that. And I moved to New York in 2005. And I think, Matt, you did too. Yeah. And you're right. It's like there was almost, it's like it should have, in theory, been a scary place. Mm-hmm want to go but it's like somehow like and maybe it was the the way that it the, you know the heart of like the recovery and the way that it was perceived in movies and things like that after that made it more it made it more friendly also in like wanting to like move there and it's something that I never really thought about until you just said it of like I think that I think that because I think of so many movies that I watched in like my late high school like early college years that kind of like really like made it pull on me more to want to move there right and i think that i think that cinema had a lot to do with it jess yeah could it be that films like the film elf that depicts new york city in such a lovely way in a long form sort of way is the is part of the reason why we both moved to New York City, mm-hmm. became interns at MTV, mm-hmm. and now, however many fuck all years later, we are still now friends and talking about a movie that could have had more of an impact on us actually starting and continuing our lives in this place uh, together for a decent bit of it. Like yeah. that's a weird and I, that's a reach. But it also kind of isn't. Yeah. I mean, like, do we have Elf to thank <laughs> for our friendship? I mean, I th- well, I, 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 I wonder. I mean, but like, Matt, didn't you come from New Hampshire? Is like, she hears like, you have me to thank because I just made the connection. <laughs> no, no, I was, I was going to say, like, <laughs> like from New Hampshire, where do you go other than New York or LA? I mean, you could very easily stay in New Hampshire or go to Massachusetts or Connecticut or Vermont or Maine or California. You can go anywhere. No, no, but like, if you're wanting to pursue a career in film and uh, film and television. California? Yeah, is it, that's what I mean. Is it California or, or New York, right? Those are the two hubs. Yeah, or I mean, they have some smaller stuff too, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you could go to Boston. Yeah. I um, think that coming from like small town Texas, I think that the first jump is like people tell you, oh, like move to like Dallas or whatever and like work at like a local news station and, you know, or, or do something in like that respect. But I think the next jump is people assume because the industry's bigger yeah. in LA. But for me, my school had a direct um, program in New York. Right. And so that was like why I ended up going to New York rather than LA. Right. Um, but I, I literally like walked around. I don't remember this, but like, I remember like my school counselor being like, you like literally like walked around telling everyone you're going to move to New York City. And that was like such like a far-fetched thing <laughs> for like where I live. Cause I grew up in a town of like 5,000 people. Um, but yeah, there is like, I remember like how to lose a guy in yeah. 10 days was mm-hmm. like Spider-Man all the, yeah, yeah. They like really like romanticize the, the city as like a young person, like wanting to kind of like set out and have their own like sort of like hero's journey, I guess. It, it, it's entirely speculative. I, we're, we're sort of suggesting, like, because I think what we're all positing is this movie. Well, Jace, you, you kind of like the movie. Um, but I did. Yeah. But, uh, but we're positing, like, why is this film kind of um, standing the test of time despite 
you know, like having... Despite it not. Like, there is something that... It is standing the test of time as as an entity, but I think when examined for what that entity actually physically is on the screen, I, for me at least, it doesn't hold up, but I don't want to take away from the the joy that it well, but still yeah, brings at that, people. At that party, for example, that we were kind of referring to, is that this was the film to kind of talk about. And it is, you know, if you look at any Christmas list, you know, list of Christmas movies, this film will inevitably be on most of those lists. Um, yeah. Again, it's, you know, the Mariah Carey movie. It's the Mariah Carey All I Want for Christmas as a movie. And I, I don't, <laughs> you know, like, I think... I think it speaks to because you know the other thing is the unlike National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation for example the humor is adult but not really you know like you can you can be a kid and watch this movie and I think that that plays to its rewatchability that plays to its replayability you know if a parents who just want to throw something on at Christmas time I think the childlike wonder of Will Ferrell is something that like works here that means you cannot you know it's it's what he does here is something you can't do and play for a kid that he does in Anchorman or Ricky Bobby or any yeah. of those later, or even old school. Um, you know, like the, the humor is so broad here. And I think, I think that's again, to, to bring it back to John Favreau, I think that's kind of a, a smart play. You know, like he spoke about the original screenplay that he got for this was a little bit darker, had a little bit more, you know, oomph going on to it. I think, I think, you know, it'd be hard to press that this is not the, you know, again, built on the mold that, um, big is kind of you know created at this point and many other films before it but but i think the play the the play here is to make it as simplified as possible and that seems to resonate and i think it resonates because of the charm of will ferrell and who will ferrell goes on to become you Mm -hmm. know like will ferrell then becomes a sort of key figure like you know we 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 rediscussed uh austin powers um previously Mm -hmm. and i think this movie kind of you know like if if um um, if Mike My- Michael Myers had kind of gone on and had a you know a a, a bigger a, a longer career in creating more characters, I think that you could see those two movies moving in parallel. And Alf and Austin Powers seems to work. The interesting thing is this movie didn't generate a sequel, uh, mainly because of arguments between John Favreau and and Will Ferrell about. Yeah, like, and oh, Will really? Ferrell turned down twenty nine million dollars. Twenty nine million dollars to do the sequel to this movie. <laughs> I mean, I also think he didn't want to be typecast as buddy the elf but he did do anchorman twice i mean yeah but he might love that character (laughs) maybe like that's the thing maybe i mean i I, look i i could see getting frustrated with this being a movie that you are known for all the time like but maybe not i have no idea that's me speculating as well all of my thoughts are speculations on this film also what would you do with this like what would you speculate uh, a sequel for this film to be yeah, I fucking who knows? It's, it's the story Buddy and was his terrible. kid. It's it's yeah. it's obvious. It's Buddy and his and his kid. You know, like Buddy, you know, teaching his kid about what it, trying to keep his kid in the North Pole, or you know, it's something. It's something along those lines. Buddy and his kid uh, trying to maintain the innocence. Yeah, right? that's what it's got to be. I guess I don't know. I yeah yeah. So, uh, well, th- this has been a f- <laughs> a podcast about the film Elf. Where we totally weren't struggling at all to discuss topics of the film Elf. Uh, Jess, <laughs> Jess, you keep me young. Uh, <laughs> uh, I liked it. I know you did. And I'm so glad you are here to like it. Because again, I want to say, I don't want to yuck the yum. I am glad you like it. I'm glad so many people like it. I wish I liked it more because I see the value that it can bring. 
Um, and I'm glad that you were able to convey that and bring that value to otherwise just two old grumpy puss nonsense bah humbug motherfuckers like Shahir and I. Uh, you actually made this a bit more Christmassy, and I cannot thank you enough. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, where where can I folks- didn't get I didn't get a second Christmas tree for nothing. That I is wasn't, I wasn't not going to bring cheer when you, you know? are not single handedly keeping the Christmas tree industry in business. <laughs> where can <laughs> folks find you? You can find me on Instagram at Jessica A Tuck. Excellent. And Shahir, when you are not <laughs> making amazing yet somewhat tangential John Favreau uh, connections through the film we were talking about. Where can folks find you? I'm obsessed with John Favreau. If anyone has John Favreau's email, uh, send it to me. <laughs> Why don't you? <laughs> um, send it to my website by emailing me in at www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are trying to uh, maintain the innocence of our audience who loves the movie Elf, where can people find you? You can find me just not being able to do it at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, go to the number four PRZ on Instagram and Emperor MSK on Twitter. I'm going to keep saying it faster every time. Also, please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. We are in our Because Games Matter series. Uh, wonderful, heartwarming stories about how gaming and game culture and people in the healthcare industry and a whole bunch of other stuff are helping people through the magic of games uh, on the holiday season. It is a lovely series. Please go check that out. Uh, also, email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at onlymoviepod. Let us know if you connect with Elf still. Let us know what your favorite Christmas movies are. Let us know all those things. And last but certainly not least, at least for me, I would like to thank everybody from last week's 300th episode for writing us in and actually sending us their lovely messages. Again, I went back and listened to it again because I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm obsessed with people liking me. And uh, <laughs> I, it was a very, very sweet moment. And I really I really appreciate it. Well, to keep the sweetness going just for a moment longer before we sign out. This episode is coming out during Christmas. This is yep. a Christmas episode. Well, it's a hol- it's about holiday. It's a, it is. And I want to keep the Christmas spirit alive despite robbing people of their joy of loving Elf. Matt, <laughs> I got you something. Oh, no. <gasps> wow. I was at a Marshall's and I saw this. <laughs> is it the sled? Did you punch the lady for a sled <laughs> for me? I punched the lady for a sled. But I picked up just for you, and I'm going to show it to you now, Cotton Hidden Mini Muggin, 12 Days of Socks. That's right. You have got 12 pairs of socks coming to you, buddy. You're special. There Can is... I say this? Yeah. Can I say this? First of all, I have your you and your family's gift in the other room. It's not nearly as entertaining as what that is, but I will say this. Actually, <laughs> an incredibly helpful gift. Three you of my favorite socks. pairs of socks have all gotten holes in them last week. So I need socks. So thank you very much. A couple more things. Uh, One is I am a a gifter on the Reddit gift exchange. uh, And I received a gift with the note, I hope you discuss this on on your podcast at some point. Uh, So I was very thrilled to receive uh, a couple of things. One is a board game called the Cinephile Board Game, which we should play on air at some point. I think it'd be a lot of fun. It was ironic that I, well, kind of coincidental that I received that because the company that makes the Cinephile Board Game also put out this children's book called A is for Auteur. Oh, Jesus Christ. Which I'm giving to my son and I know he's going to hate. But the funny thing is I've suddenly realized that I think I know where my beard is hitting, uh, which is that C is for Coppola. Yeah. Check out this beard. 
Yeah, yeah. I, this is, it, you know, again, <laughs> this is an is audio medium, but it is Francis yeah. Ford Coppola's it's beard. Uncanny. It is uncanny. It, it does look strangely. That's terrifying. Um, but the gifter did give me uh, a copy of uh, the Cinephile game and this wonderful uh, indie flicks uh, film festival in a box, which is a fantastic um, uh, present. You can basically watch a series of uh three short films that are themed. This one is kosher themed, guilt not included. And um, you then uh, judge them and give them awards. And uh, the filmmakers that make them get to receive those awards, which I think is really wonderful. Jess, I didn't want to leave you out of the Christmas spirit as well. So Matt and I got you something. We're going to send you a couple of movies to watch. Uh, These are all both fighting movies um, because we were like, what? I get a present. Of course yeah. you get a present. Um, the two movies that we picked out for you, and I, I'm not sure if you've seen these or not, is A Prayer Before Dawn, a movie about not. a Muay uh, a person, a, a, fight, a boxer who gets um, put into a, a Thai prison and learns the art of Muay Thai and, and has to like compete. And it's produced by A24. It's meant to be fantastic. I haven't seen it. I just read about it and was like, I think this is going to mm-hmm. play. What? I've seen a documentary. Is it a documentary or is it it's like a, a feature film? film. Okay, yeah. no, I haven't seen the feature film. Okay, and then the other one was Warrior. I, I don't know if you've seen Warrior. Maybe you have. I don't think I have. Ah, oh, brilliant, because that's a movie we go. I absolutely love. Uh, it's one of my favorite films that came out of the last year, few years, so we're going to be sending those to you at some point. Yeah. Uh, oh, hopefully thank you. Got a well, because I can't copy. actually like do like my martial arts right now like with a person. I can only shadow box, so I can like live vicariously. It's weird that we only picked fighting movies for you, though, right? Like, It's weird that I only no, picked... No, you pick things that people like. <laughs> That's what you do. But she might, you might, do you like fighting movies? I don't know. You like, you like Muay Thai. I do. I do. I do. I can like live vicariously through them. Then we'll give you some advice right now. <laughs> do not watch Jujitsu. That's all oh, I'm going to say. Do <laughs> not. Oh, really? Do not. I cannot apologize enough for having us do that film. That was terrible. Um, anyway. That's a- a bummer. Yeah, it is. A, it is a bummer. That is a great. That's. <laughs> there's no better way of putting it. Uh, everybody at home, I hope that you have a wonderful holiday. I hope we didn't tarnish a classic for you. I hope that you are safe and happy and warm and and full of syrup on spaghetti. And uh, yeah, I I'm looking forward to um, you know, getting out of a garbage fire of year. I think we have one more, two more episodes. <laughs> Before the end of the year? I don't know how time works anymore. Uh, Is 2020 ever going to end? I don't think it is, and it doesn't matter. I guess not. Uh, (laughs) Until next time, which I think what next time is uh, the assassination of Jesse James. Hope so. Maybe. Uh, Unless we're wrong. (laughs) We don't know. Uh, All right. We'll talk to you all later. Bye, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Except for Shahir. No, he got me socks. He can be a Merry Christmas. (laughs) 